Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. This week, I'm bringing you a bonus mentorship episode with Jim and Lynn Jackson on sibling conflict. So truthfully, there were times as, as our kids grew older and as, as we grew wiser, where I, I truly did. It was like, oh, they're having another fight. There's a, we got another opportunity here to help them grow. And there was almost a certain like, hey, this is cool because conflict is inevitable. And my role in it can either be constructive or destructive. And I have an opportunity to be constructive with the things I've learned. So you ask the question, well, so how do we do that? And that's where this, this four-step peace process, which really is, it's a reframing of a parent's goal from making conflict stop to helping our kids develop joy in their relationship and a value of true restoration or reconciliation. Maybe you live in an ideal world and your children never fight, not even on family vacation. But I have a feeling the opposite is true, that your children are human and so are you. So when you hear them losing it, hurting each other, calling each other names in the other room, you start to lose it too. Your blood pressure boils and you just want them to stop it. You long for peace in your home? Well, Jim Jackson just summarized today's episode really well because the goal is to reframe these conflicts to see them with an opportunity to train our children in reconciliation because relationships are inside our home and our families, but they're also going to be outside their home and friendships as adults, adults struggle to reconcile well. And as Jim's wife, Lynn says in this episode, she wants for her kids, the kind of relationships Jesus bought for them on the cross. So if you've been faithfully listening to the Summer of Mentorship series, and if you listened to last week's episode with Jen Wilkin, and if you are super mega fan and you listened all the way to the end of that episode, I see you, you heard me say a few things like there would be no episode this week because I would be launching a new site with a new name and a new brand on August 6th. And you're thinking, okay, Heather, there's an episode. What's up? Are you changing your mind? Okay, yeah. I gave myself a little wiggle room. I am changing my mind a little bit. So this episode is happening because I met with my event planning team, and we decided it would be good to give you a heads up on a couple of things. One, when tickets would be going live for uh, the Don't Mom Alone live event that's happening the end of September, and we wanted to introduce you to the live event guests. That's right. I'm going to be flying in from Minnesota to Dallas, Jim and Lynn Jackson from Connected Families. And if you haven't heard them before, I wanted you to hear an episode with them so that you would bring your mom squad, your peeps, your mentor, your hubby, whoever you have to the live event. So listen to the middle of this episode to get more details about that. I also wanted to release this episode, one, because I needed it (laughs) at the end of the summer. uh, It's 110 degrees. I needed the reminders about helping my boys solve conflict. And Jim and Lynn's sibling conflict course is out and it is half as much as it was two years ago when I first released this episode. So I wanted to tell you about it again, give you the links. You can always go to godcentermom.com forward slash siblings because it takes more than one to fight to get uh, more info on that course. But all right, let's get to the conversation. Here are Jim and Lynn. Hey, Jim and Lynn, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, really good to be here. 
Oh, and you sound great. Y'all just did such a good job with your technology oh. on your end. We're so thankful. When we know we're going to be on the Heather McFadden podcast. We, we, we turned up the... Right. You try to get oh, the class. <laughs> the class is up. It's amazing. Well, y'all have such wisdom, such insight. You've helped so many people to stay connected with their family and their discipline to, you know, it's amazing to think that discipline doesn't have to be a shaming situation and a, mm-hmm. and a place where you're disconnected from your kids. And so that's been so helpful for me, but I'm bringing you back on because summer is upon us, uh, in the McFadden house. (laughs) And I have a feeling it is for a lot of people listening, unless they do year round school and bless you. And if you homeschool, this may not be a shocker, but for those of us who don't homeschool or do year round school, uh, summer means lots of boys at home together with not a lot of structured activity, which leads to a lot of disagreements, which leads to my stress level going through the roof and really just wanting to flee the whole situation. So, uh, I need your help. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. We'll do the best we can in the time we've got to give it. And, and y'all, I mean, I know I've already said in the intro and I'll say again, but can you just tell everybody real quick where, where y'all are coming from and where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, we're at connectedfamilies.org. Um, we're out here in, in Minneapolis area, but um, we love helping families to just really grow in connection and faith as they wade through the messy stuff of life. And you all had a few kids. Can you just briefly introduce everybody to your kids? Yeah, we had three kids, Daniel, Bethany, and Noah. They're three kids that are born within a four-year span, so they're real close together in age. And uh, uh, we valued family togetherness. And so this really intense group of kids was together a lot and the intensity of their squabbles was, uh, was high. And, um, we figured early on that we had some choices. One is, is we could, you know, we could just kind of put them over in the other room and let them fix it together. But we found as we did that, that the the oldest tended to become more dominating and Mm -hmm. learn to get his way a little bit more easily. And the youngers started thinking of themselves more as victims and, uh, and Mm -hmm. some resentment was starting to grow and we didn't, you know, we didn't want to foster that. And so we started thinking our way into, well, what is, you know, what's a biblical model for, for reconciliation of relationships and how do we, apply that to our little kids and then learn and grow together. And, uh, oh, by the way, the kids aren't the only ones having conflict. Lynn and I are having it. We're having it with the kids. And we're, you know, we're trying to sort all this out with the heart of, with the heart of the gospel in the middle of it. And um, there's, there's lots of to-do plans out there that tell, that, that, you know, that tell parents, here's what you should do when your kids do this. And, uh, you know, we have to decide what we're going to do, but we realize there's something underneath what we're doing and let's address that and let's address matters of the heart here Mm -hmm. as we're working ourselves and with our kids to understand and then reconcile conflict. We tended to, uh, for me particularly, I tended to rush into into their conflict with my baggage, my resentment. Um, Mm. I had been a younger sister picked on by older brothers, and so Mm. I was quick to to rush in going, Daniel, that is not okay to treat your sister like that. Yes. Oh, my stars. Did you get a video camera in my house? Yes. Well, and I'm the oldest who had younger sisters, and so my thinking was is, Lynn, lighten up on the oldest 
you know, bossy kid because that was me. And yeah. so then mm-hmm. I would tell her, you know, you shouldn't do it that way. And that's not fair to him. And then we'd have that's our fights. And then the kids were off the hook and they'd yeah. take their little yeah. giggling fight out to the backyard. Well, Lynn and I had yeah. our conflict. Yeah. And you just thought of Bethany as a whiner because she was the younger sister that was tattling. Yeah, well, come on, Bethany, buck up. That is really interesting to think of our own oh, sibling yeah. situations and how they impact yeah. how we manage our kids and then how it impacts our marriage. I hadn't even thought about that aspect. Well, it's so really a, a true. principle that we hold dear in our work is is the very first step is in engaging with your child is to say, what's going on with me? What am I believing mm. about this? What's my baggage that I might be dragging in? Um, what are my insecurities? What am I believing about my child? You know, that's that's a real starting place. And, and I found that when I uh, you know, before I figured that out, it was not going well for me because I'd rush in and try to manage it and make Daniel behave, and it it just made everything worse. So it was a good mm. good learning experience. Okay, so how did you do that? How did you did you in that moment when you heard a fight, you would do some self reflection, or did you do the self reflection in your own time <laughs> so that you were ready when it, the fight happened? It, really, both. But it started with in my own time. And realizing that this dynamic was going on, that I was dumping on him, that I was discouraging him. I was making him resent Bethany more because of how I responded to him. And Mm -hmm. so then I had to go in with a much bigger sense of purpose once I was able to set aside, okay, he's not my older brother. And they weren't terrible, but I still had baggage, you know, that he's not my older brother. Um, And... Uh, I can engage in a way that could be really helpful for both of them. So a, a vision that that compelled me forward was just the thought, I want for my kids the kind of relationships that Jesus bought for them on the cross. And mm. so I, I would go in with a radar of purpose instead of a radar of find the problem mm-hmm. and fix it. And that was just hugely different starting place. Yeah, and and for me, who was less able, especially as a young parent... <laughs> to be cognitive when I was in situations like that. Lynn, Lynn did a good job of taking some of that thought process right into mm-hmm. the conflicts with the kids. Uh, I was quite a bit slower. Um, and, and for me, uh, you know, the conventional teaching was just stay calm. So, right. so in, my, in my thinking, staying calm meant don't yell, just use a softer voice. Mm. Uh, but I said the same things and, grit teeth. and I gritted my teeth and my <laughs> arms were folded and the, you could your see. body language said you weren't yeah, calm, yeah. but your voice was quieter. Yeah. yeah. And so the, to the kids, it doesn't feel any different. I thought mm. I was calm, but the kids, you know, my, my, my daughter later in life, one day when I did this, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to be calm here and shame her with a calm voice instead of with a yelling voice. And she just looked up at me and said, daddy, stop yelling at me. And I was like, I'm not yelling. but in my spirit I was yelling and so this whole this whole piece of learning to get calm for both Lynn and I in different ways is about well why why do I see like this underneath and why do I have such a difficult time seeing that the kids conflict as an opportunity to help them learn and grow rather than something that I just have to control and make go away uh, and so as, as I, over time, and it wasn't in the heat of the moment, it was in reflection, it was in conversation. What are we doing when we're, what are we trying to do when we're in, engaging with our kids' conflicts? Are we just trying to get it to stop or are we mm-hmm. trying to help them learn the joy of true reconciliation? And mm-hmm. the answer was B, how do we do that was a little elusive. We tried this, we tried that, but over time as we've, you know, worked with more and more parents, 
uh, you know, this process called Discipline That Connects, which I think you're familiar with, and and the messages we want our kids to to grow up to believe about themselves. You're safe with me. You're loved no matter what. You're God's workmanship called and capable. You're responsible for your life. Those are the messages we wanted our kids to learn also in the context of their sibling conflict. Uh, and, and another process emerged for us over time um, that we've deemed or dubbed the peace process, which has just really b- become a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. It's start, that, that process is, has been transformational for uh, just many families, and that's, that's the process that we've captured in the online course that we mentioned to you, just specifically about siblings. Okay, so here's here's how it's gone before. And even if we've been trained on what we should tell our kids or what we shouldn't, it's either you hear fighting and it's escalating and you yell out, stop it! Like, that's it. <laughs> that's the full instruction. So you didn't stay calm. You didn't provide training. Uh, you just yelled out a command that is like my least favorite. And then if they don't stop it, you say, stop it, or you're both going to have to go to your rooms until you can say you're sorry. Right, and that was the next thing. So then you you say... You better make it right with your brother because I know I'm supposed to make sure they make it right. Like, I know they're supposed to reconcile. Make it right with your brother right now. And so, like, they're looking at each other like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't forgive you. That's the next line. You better forgive your brother. I mean, this is not like a joke. This is from playbook script from last night. I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to forgive you. And it's not working. And I know that I'm yeah. saying all the right words. I'm, we're pursuing peace, right? We're reconciling. Yeah. We're trying to make it right. Tell him three nice things about him. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, it's not even, my tone's not right. Right, right. And what, that's what I love about Jesus is like, he doesn't let us get away with external stuff when what yeah. he's really after is for our hearts. Mm. And so um, if mm. my heart as a parent is just frustrated and irritated with my kids, they will yeah. so know it. So like there was yeah. one time that um, we were all cleaning. So we were crabby to each other, cleaning for guests. And yeah. um, the kids are crabby. They picked on each other. So I sent them in the room with this glare and I said, all right, you guys, go go reconcile and work this out. And I just glared at Daniel like, I know who the real <laughs> problem is here. And yeah. It, yeah. they were in the room for a minute and Bethany was screaming at the top of her lungs. And I knew that it was my fault that I'd set him up the wrong way. So Jim greeted the guests. I went in and had a do over and said, you know what, guys, this is my fault. Cause I didn't, I didn't get you off to a good start at all. And I am so sorry. So let's work this. I'll be in here to help you and let's work this out. And then we worked it out great and it was fine, but I had to own the fact that they read my heart, my, my, messages to them was I'm sick of this you guys are a problem um you know and I just want this to stop for my convenience and that's a discouraging message and it doesn't empower anyone for conflict resolution so Jesus makes us go after our hearts in this um in order to engage in a really I am for you I want to teach you skills I want you guys to have an awesome relationship and when that Mm -hmm. communicates it makes a big difference how do we switch our heart Well, <laughs> from that, like, annoyance, yeah. I'm so sick of everybody fighting, can you just be kind to one another, to 
looking forward to that fight so that you can well, train them up. I don't know that I ever looked forward I'm looking forward to uh, being okay well, actually, with it. I mean, like, so truthfully, there were times as, as our kids grew older and as, as we grew wiser where I, I truly did. It was like, oh, they're having another fight. There's a, we got another opportunity here to help them grow. And there was almost a certain like, hey, this is cool because conflict is inevitable and my role in it can either be constructive or destructive and I have an opportunity to be constructive with the things I've learned. So you ask the question, well, so how do we do that? And that's where this this four-step peace process, um, which really is, um, it's a reframing of a parent's goal from making conflict stop to uh, helping our kids develop joy in their relationship and a value of true restoration or reconciliation. Um, right. So if, if I go in, if I realize, oh my goodness, I have an opportunity to help my kids f- experience and grow in a value of true restoration and reconciliation, that, that prepares me differently than, oh geez, I have to make this stop again. And I don't even know how. And the four-step process, I'll, and I'll just say it quick, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's helped us and so many parents is, is yes, calm. But calm isn't just zip your lip calm. It's understand what's going on inside of you. Understand what's going on inside of your kids. Move, figure out what you need to do to be calm. Use that as your modeling for your kids. You know what? I, I'm too upset right now to be helpful and constructive with you too. So I'm going to take a break. Why don't you guys take a break too? And then when I'm ready, I'll let you know. And when you're ready, let me know. And we'll be calm. And then we can do the next stuff. So calm is, we're on crazy mountain. We, you know, you've identified, we've identified in the way that we talk about this is, is this, is this ever, ever uh, ascending climb onto crazy mountain, which comes from just escalate. Yeah. It just keeps escalating and from our efforts to make it stop. But if we realize the way off that mountain is to truly get calm, a calmness of heart, not just for us, but to help our kids, you know, to model that for their kids and help them learn to do that and self-regulate and take their deep breaths or whatever it is. Calm is where we start. That's the first sort of rock across the mountain or across the stream away from the mountain to the to the oasis on the other side of true joy-filled reconciliation. Um, so calm. And then uh, what can we do to help foster understanding of, of, of what's going on in me, of what's going on in another person. How can we give words to that? So we calm down, we understand each other. Uh, then once we're at that place, we start to do some solving. This is what happened. Here's how you feel. Here's how she feels. What do you think we ought to do about that to solve it? How are we going to solve this? What does solving look like here? Um, in our course, we have a, a, a videotape of a family who put this in place and learned it, and the kids actually do the interview. And it's amazing to watch these three kids who are, you know, similar in age and, and stage to our kids. The genders were a little different, but, you know, they were, what, 11, 9, and 8 or something like that. And they right, did so this our video. kids 15 years ago or so. Yeah, so it's like our kids 15 years ago. And they look at each other, and they're laughing, and they're like, yeah, when Mom and Dad figured out this peace process thing and kind of let us figure it out and just helped us as much as we needed help, uh, you know, it, we really felt better about ourselves, and we really felt better about them. And we had mm-hmm. it was better for all of us, and we went to school and started telling our friends about this. <laughs> so here's kids who learn to calm because their parents model it. They learn to understand each other. Uh, they learn to do some things on their own to solve. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in small ways, in large ways, whatever ways that we can, the fourth piece of this is to celebrate it, uh, to celebrate mm-hmm. the work you've done, even if it's not perfect, uh, to, to understand each other, to calm down, to put a plan in place, uh, you know, have a have a popcorn party 
put on the street for coffee, go on a bike ride to get whatever it might be, just do a little solo, even if it's just a high five, acknowledge, boy, you're working on this and it was better this time than it was last time. And I bet that feels good. Um, and so there's the four things, calm down, understand each other, uh, solve and celebrate that leads to building a, a culture of reconciliation. And when parents put that in their brain going into conflict as the goal, here's what I'm trying to do instead of just make it stop. It's empowering for both parents and for kids. Right. I think a lot of times we get so frustrated because we, we feel ill-equipped. And so yeah. then we don't know what to do. And that's frustrating. And now I've got this situation 10, 15 times a day where I feel ill-equipped and I just want it to stop. But when I when we really focused in on what our strategy was and we were equipped to help our kids grow and we could see the little baby steps of growth, it really did become very rewarding to engage in that. Was it always fun? No. Was there times where I thought, are we making any progress at all? Yes, it was yeah. those days. But in the big picture, to have to feel equipped and to feel like I had a big picture goal really made the difference in me going from the, trying to be calm with my teeth gritted to having a peaceful, purposeful heart when I engage with my kids. And that was a huge difference. Well, and I could see how, you know, if we just do the stop it or that you stay calm, but you need to go fight over there, mm -hmm. then it doesn't decrease the amount of conflict. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I would think, you know, you said 10 to 15 times a day. That's what it can feel like some days. But if we use this peace process, I would think that it would decrease because maybe they're even using it on their own without your involvement. Absolutely. That, have oh, you seen that happen with Absolutely. Family? We share stories. Each each of the sessions has a story of a family and their process. And that was really a common thread across the board that the kids, when the kids began to learn this and they began to feel good about what they were doing, then oftentimes the parents' involvement just needed to be, okay, you guys are having a hard time. Why don't you go just calm down and relax? And then do you need some help solving it or do you think you can solve it on your own? Once the mm. kids had these steps in their minds, as well, they often, I think we got it, you know, and then they would be much more likely to solve it well, as opposed to the older or, you know, stronger child just dominates. Um, so, okay, let's do a scenario. Okay. So the mom listening can, can see these steps played out and I'm just going to make one up. It didn't even happen last night. I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> it happened. Okay. It totally happened. And it was while I was on the phone with my sister. So I was completely distracted. So it escalated because I couldn't do my normal over-controlling, like you said at the beginning, Lynn, where I jump in and say, you better treat your, why did you, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. I couldn't jump in, so it didn't get better, because they need me, is what my mind tells me. They need me to make it stop. So one brother says a rude remark. One of the older siblings says a rude remark, which makes the younger brother, who doesn't communicate as well, uh, get his feelings hurt, but doesn't know how to tell him that hurt my feelings. So he just hits in response, which then escalates to more name calling, more violence, <laughs> an all out <laughs> WWF in the living room. So what, like, talk us through that scenario and let's pretend maybe I'm not on the phone, but I'm in the other room and it's escalating. What, let's go through the four steps. Sure. So <clears throat> number one, when that's happening, what do you recognize going on inside of you? I'm like so annoyed. Okay. So annoyed that they can't treat each other better. That's literally the thought yeah. in my head. Why so do, can't they so treat each do other you better? you want your annoyance to be the driving 
source of your engagement with them or would you like something else to be the driving source to your engagement with them? That is an easy answer. Something else. <laughs> yeah. Something so, else. So, so the, the kind of one of the first things around calming down is to recognize that's what's going on inside of me. And if the next step that I take is about my annoyance, we're mm-hmm. probably going to go on crazy mountain again. Yeah. But, but uh, Lord, what can I do right here, right now to calm my heart? Lord, what's the truth about my kids? What's the truth about me here? How do I breathe? Uh, right. do, do I need to go in right away? Is anybody, you know, has anybody got the, the fireplace poker and they're ready to hit the other kid in the head with it? If so, then, true harm if, about so, to happen. if so, then forget all of this and go in and make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On top yeah. Of the pile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Join but, in. Join but, in. But that's 1% of the time. The other 99% of the time we jump in before we need to thinking we need to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and thinking our kids need us to, when in fact, what we're doing when we do that is we're teaching them they need us in order to resolve their us and our emotional energy and our desire to stop our feelings of annoyance. They need that in order to stop their conflict. So they're not going to learn anything yes. about wisdom in stopping their conflict. They're just going to learn what they have to do to keep mom happy, um, which is not what you want to do, which is not what any mom or dad listening wants to do. But that's what we do without thinking about it because our annoyance drives us to make this stop. Because mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what we want to stop more than their conflict is our feeling of being annoyed. So this isn't even about this isn't even about their well being and their learning right now. This is about taking care of me. And kids don't like it when parents treat them in a way that takes care of the parents. Kids need us to treat them in a way that takes care of them. Well, what does it mean to take care of them? It means to go into this without my annoyance. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is about my annoyance. I want this to be about them. Hey kids <laughs> You're struggling. Do you need help or do you want to solve this? On your own. You know, usually, especially if, if kids have been trained in the peace process a little bit, you know, the, oh, geez. Okay, we got it, Mom. <laughs> right, right. But they know the that's the cue. That's right. the cue that they've gone too far. In the intensity yeah. she's talking about, you, you know, you may need to enter in with kind of, you know, if you enter in quietly like, boys, settle down now, and they're like screaming and swinging at each other, that's, they're not even going to be aware of you. So you, you can mm-hmm. enter with just sort of big connective energy like, whoa, it's intense in here. You guys are having a hard time, aren't you? Anybody want a hug? You know, so you, mm. you have big energy, but it's, it's I'm yeah. for you. I care about you energy. I get how hard this is kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And just and not a, and not a picking one and not a picking one favorite. Right. Exactly. Like you're not taking sides. You're not taking sides. Exactly. Cause that's the, yeah. that taking sides is the, is the first step to just climbing crazy mountain of, of yeah. anger and aggravating everything. So, mm-hmm. right. You're expressing mm-hmm. empathy to both kids. This is really hard, yeah. isn't it? And meaning it. Cause it is thinking of fights where we've had as a couple or as, you know, with even from our childhood with our siblings, it is really hard. And so to enter with that understanding. And then they start, they start telling you immediately, mm-hmm. well, he did blah, blah, blah. And they start telling you exactly who did what and what did, and they're giving the whole rundown. Yeah. What do you say to that then? Well, so let's hold on for a second. Okay. Because that skips, that skips to solve. And, and. Oh, okay. And so, but what if they jump to solve? Well, and you when have... they jump to solve and you've got this process in your mind, you know, yeah. you know what? So we, we, we can solve this in a minute. But, okay. but uh, and we'll figure all that out in a bit. But let's understand each other a little bit here first. Okay. Well, okay. You, we haven't actually gotten the kids to a place right. of calmness. Yes. Right. So oh, okay. I often okay. said to our kids, "This is really intense, and and our, our solving our solving brains won't work until mm. they're calm." 
So mm-hmm. why don't you find a comfortable spot to relax? How long do you mm-hmm. think you'll need? Five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, and then we'll come back together. And that break is really hugely important. It's not the most convenient thing for a parent, but it's in the long run, it's super mm-hmm. helpful. So, and if it's, you know, instead of go to your room, it's find a comfortable spot to relax. And that wording, down. wording That's a huge and deal. heart is everything. So then yeah. you bring them back together. And then they're usually ready to go to the next step from calm to understand. And that's where you can start to talk about, you know, the feelings that people were having and the frustration. Boy, you guys are both. So you were frustrated and you were frustrated. And so you got that in common. You were both really frustrated. It's I I get that. Dad and I were frustrated with each other the other day. And it's Mm -hmm. tough to work that out. So that's 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 um, how much in that understanding do you jump in and coaches at the beginning you're doing more coaching you know for younger kids that maybe they don't even know how to they have very limited vocabulary for how they felt or what right they want to start telling you what happened instead of yes where they're coming from right right so um yeah and and in our course we go into sort of specific scripts that you can use for different age kids because it's tough you know you relate to teenagers much differently than toddlers but just even you know for a child that's really struggling with that and can't figure it out like classic scenario we had bethany at one and a half and two and daniel at four he was super articulate and she shut down when she was anxious and Mm -hmm. so we had to be very concrete and specific bethany are you feeling sad or mad right now. I'm sad. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. thanks. Here, you look at Daniel and say that. You know, don't. Yeah, and Daniel it. would say, "Well, yeah, that's because she did whatever, whatever, whatever." And then Lynn would look at Daniel and say, "Daniel, this is Bethany's turn to tell you how she feels, and it's going to be important that you listen so that you understand her." And then you're going to mm. get your turn in just a minute. So, um, mm. so then I, we try to get out of the middle. So, oh no, don't talk to me. Say that to Daniel. Daniel, I'm sad. You know, and then mm-hmm. you facilitate that way. Okay, Daniel, did you hear that? What did she say? What yeah. did she say, Daniel? What did you hear? She said she's sad. Do you like feeling sad? Okay. Do you like feeling sad, Daniel? No. Mm. Do you like that what you did made Bethany feel sad, Daniel? No. Mm. How do you feel, mm. Daniel? Well, I feel mad because she did this, that, or the other thing. Oh, mm-hmm. Bethany, what did you hear Daniel say? Mad. Yeah, so you two are listening to each other. That feels so much better, doesn't it? Now you're understanding each other. Yeah, and they and you can use that language we learned in a what is it pre marriage class? Yep. When you do this, I feel this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And keep in mind as you're teaching your young kids that that this is marriage class for them. Yes, yeah. yes. That's why it feels so important. Well. It's yes. so important. We can't just ignore it and say, stop it, or I'm going to stay calm, but you go fight over here. I mean, it feels like it's a valuable skill we're training them. This is this is conflict 101. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you think about what are the two most important things kids need in life, love of God, to understand mm. God and His grace, and number two, to how to have wonderful, intimate relationships with other people. And yeah. this is equipping them for their future marriages, for their future parenting, for their future workplace, for their future role in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is incredibly important. I've got goosebumps right now just talking about that. It is mm-hmm. so important to mm-hmm. equip kids for these close, connected 
rich relationships in life. Especially in a digital world where we're offending and then moving on and uh, online we can offend so easily and, and also avoid and ignore so easily yeah, right? so much how we've yeah. offended. Yeah. yeah. And that's even a good point, you know, as people, you know, as teens start to define themselves by their digital relationships, if they have really solid connected relationships at home, they're much less vulnerable to that. Mm, that's true. If they know who they are and who they can go to. Yep. Speaking of being connected with your people and how we get just confused with online relationships and we need our real in life relationships. This is the driver behind uh, my whole don't mom alone movement and the, the podcast clubs. I want y'all to be with real people. I want you to have mentors. I want you to have friends. I want you to know that God is with you always. And for you and marriages that you are strong in your marriage uh, with parenting together. So let's talk about the live event because that's a chance, one, for us to get together in real life and to learn together and also for me to get to meet you. So it's not just my voice over the interwebs. So the live event is happening here in Dallas on September 28th and 29th. Save those dates if you're interested in coming. There will be a Friday night event and a Saturday afternoon event so that it can match whatever schedules you have. The content of those two will be different. So if you really want to come to both, you can buy tickets to both. Um, we will also be releasing tickets to the public August 6th. But if you came last year, you get first access. I'm going to send you an email this week with access to those tickets. And if you are a GCM podcast club leader, you will get access, first access to tickets. Last year, we sold out so quickly and I was sad that not more of you could come. So that's why we're having two dates. I'm also hoping to have more seats available. We're also going to do something I really, you know, I love people and I really want to meet with each of you. So we're going to offer two different ticket options and one ticket guarantees that you and I get to hang out. So be on the lookout for that. We're also going to offer where you can buy an entire table. If you want to bring your mom squad, your people that help you not mom alone, your mentors, your friends, your go-tos, y'all can get a table so you can make sure you sit together or just come by yourself. And I would love to connect you with community. That is our goal that you could come and Meet other mentors, meet other women that have the same longings you do. Um, or maybe your small group, husbands, husbands want to come, but they're like, am I going to be the only guy? And so you can guarantee him, you know, we're going to get four couples together and um, get a table. There'll be a slight discount if you get a whole table. So all those details are going live in the public August 6th. Keep your ear eyes open for that. But if you are a past attendee or a GCM podcast club leader, you will get first access to those tickets this week. I can't believe it. All right. I hope I get to meet you there. Let's get back to my conversation with Jim and Lynn. The understanding part is really what parents tend to So parents will say, okay, I'm going to calm down. And I'm going right. to put this to stop. And now here's what you did to your sister. So you need to solve this. You need to make this right. Mm-hmm, and, and we go mm-hmm. right to that. But the understand mm-hmm. part is the why of solving. Like, Mm -hmm. so what was the, what the understand each other is what's the impact of this conflict on everybody here? And what do we want to do about that to solve it? Mm. Um, And so that's why understanding each other is so important. Then you can move towards solving with the kids and work with them to come up with solutions. And there's where, you know, instead of coming in and say, you need to make this right. It's like, well, now what, what, what could be done here to make this right? How can we make this right with each other? 
And before going into solution, you're giving them empathy because mm-hmm. otherwise they're just going to the solution for what benefits them best. Right. Your self-protection. You've given them yeah. eyes to see there's two people in this. It's not just about you and how you see the world. Exactly. It's another person's feelings. A person that you care deeply about. You're yeah. getting it, Heather. Absolutely. You All right. Heather. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's so critical because we can reach, you know, uh, uh, unions and uh Labor forces can reach agreements without ever having any true empathy for each other. Or two countries right. can reach a ceasefire, but there's no right. love. There's no right. empathy or understanding. Or the church yeah. committees figure out how right. to deal with the problem without really, you know, we're just going to get tactical with it mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. Dr- being drawn together in empathy and understanding of one another. And so we can make yeah. we can make we can make a solution that either. It builds us uh, uh, bridges of strength in our relationships, or we can build solutions that actually strengthen the divides between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's where empathy and understanding are so critically important. And it really communicates a, a value as a family. We value each other's feelings. And we mm-hmm. we've saw one family in particular where the key thing that started the change for that family who had horrific sibling conflict was the mom began to really listen in all different kind of situations to the difficult feelings of her oldest child who was struggling so much. And we, we talk about this in the course. It's one of my favorite quotes in the whole thing. She said, Kyle, your big feelings are a gift. I'm so glad you share them with me. They're a gift to you. And it's even a bigger gift when you can use those big feelings to understand other people's big feelings. Mm. So there was so mm. much in that statement of, I value all the tough stuff going on in you and I, because it helps me to know you better. And that mm. was what began to help him to turn the corner in mm. valuing his siblings' feelings as well. It's really good. It's really good. So they've, they're understanding each other. They're calm. They're hearing one another's position. And we haven't even gotten to the conflict yet. <laughs> so what would they do next? Everyone's calm. I already feel the calm. Yes. Come on. Yes. And the connection is happening. So so how do we how do we actually solve that? Well, we kind of walk parents through a three-step process of just starting with questions. You know, instead mm-hmm. of saying, well, you know, you did this or let me hear this and I'm going to decide. It's like, well, you know, what was really going on under the surface here and what was important to each person that that um, you were having trouble, you know, getting or, you know, just even questions like how did you solve this conflict kind of conflict before? Um, how could you get part of what's important to each of you? Uh, what's a way to take turns with the toy? Just guiding with questions is really a great first step. And then if they struggle, then you can kind of just lay it more out. Like, would you like me to to um, think of some choices for how to solve this since you're kind of stuck? So there's another question. And then if they say yes, then you can say, well, you could share the toy um, by taking five minutes apiece, or um, you could figure out how to use it together in this way or that way. Which would you like to do? You know, So then you can give them some, some choices as needed to, you know, if they're just still struggling to come up with creative ideas. Yeah, I mean, simply stated for me, um, it was a matter of how do you want to solve this? And inevitably, kids would say, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so so it sounds like you don't know. I've got some ideas. Would you like to hear them? Mm. Because this needs to be solved before you go on with the rest of life. Uh, cause of how important it is. So do you want some ideas or do you want to think about it for a while? 
Mm-hmm. So it still is, it's, it's moving the process from, um, you know, you, uh, it's moving the process, all of it toward the kids taking responsibility to solve this. And early on, they're not going to have ideas. And so, so for us to offer some, as Lynn suggested, is a really helpful thing. But let's not offer them until we've given our kids' brains a chance to solve this mm-hmm. for themselves. Right. If their brains can't solve it for themselves, then how can we help them in a way that develops their brain's ability to solve this for themselves? So here's, here's, here's my idea. When kids use bad words for each other um, and hurtful words, there's, there's, you know, people study this. And it, for every one bad thing that you hear, it takes four good things to, to um, counteract that. So are there four things that are kind and true that you could say about your sibling that, w- that would help make this right? Um, uh, you know, and certainly, uh, if there's one particular child who was the aggressor and some flagrant thing happened, um, you know, where does the apology come in? Are you, instead of saying to your kids, um, well, now you've got to go say, you've got to say you're sorry. You've got to go to your room and you can't come out until you say you're sorry. That doesn't mm-hmm. teach, teach kids to feel sorry. That teaches kids to say they're sorry when they don't feel sorry in order to get on with life. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, how, you know, and back to the understanding. Sometimes the kid who ought to feel sorry says, I feel bad about what I did. Oh, and what do you want to do about that? I want to say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I, I'll do better next time. You know, you get the apology in the context of eliciting understanding. But sometimes in the context of solve, it's like, well, one of the things that ought to happen here is for you to make this right, to apologize, to reconcile with your sibling. How do you want to do that? Sibling mm-hmm. who got hurt, do you have any ideas about what would help this feel right to you? How do you want to solve it? Oh, you're not ready yet. You want to take some time? Okay, that's okay. You can take some time. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really important in this is to build a value of reconciliation outside the context of the immediate conflict. Because mm-hmm. we just go okay. in and try to make it up on the spot. It's like, you're, I don't get what you want me to do and why. But if we begin to talk about reconciliation and then we model it with our spouse or other uh, close people if if we're not married um you know to to model that in adult to adult mm-hmm. relationships and then to mm-hmm. model it in our relationships with our kids so when i have a blow up with my child do i work it all the way through to the point where our hearts are really connected and we've reconciled and we can celebrate that in my relationship with my child and i can say mm-hmm. doesn't this feel good to reconnect our hearts and to really reconcile and then mm-hmm. they have a context for that and something to draw them forward in the process of their own sibling conflicts. But sibling conflict is the toughest arena to learn it in because it's two kids, two immature nervous systems at once. So, you know, Mm -hmm. step one, talking about it as a family. Step two, modeling an adult relationship. Step three, modeling it adult to child. And then they're going to have a really good start on working this out with each other. And they're going to see this is a cool process. This is important. I'm doing Mm -hmm. something that um, lots of other people, even adults, don't ever learn how to do. And that actually yeah. leads us to the fourth step, which is celebrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which is really giving kids a sense of even your baby steps, tiny steps of getting better at this are so significant and are going to pay off in the long run and be so helpful to you in so many ways in life. So high five. This was a long, hard process, but just stuck with it. Mm. Mm, it's, I mean, I do see when you say let's model it outside of just even the family. Moms 
listening can totally, I mean, I think they could probably think of a situation right now where they've had a conflict with another mom, where they've had a conflict with their own siblings as adults, with their parents, and, mm-hmm. and your kids are watching. Yeah. Are you just going to, you know, get upset, then talk badly about that person behind their back, and not feel peace, right. and continue to hold a grudge? <laughs> exactly. And then wonder or, why your kids aren't getting along. Yes. and Or are you going to go straight to that person Help them understand your positioning. Listen for understanding to their positioning. Mm-hmm. Try to come up with a solution, and then and then celebrate your relationship. I mean, I I can think of a scenario where it was not easy for me, but that happened, and the kids saw. And so, yeah, I think I think for me, a lot of it is that emotion going into the conflict. Um, of of like you said, being annoyed, overlooking. Add it as a positive Well, and I'll, I'll add this too, Heather, because we know a lot of parents, annoyance is one of the feelings that parents have, but especially if this is a chronic deal, 15 times a day, it goes on and on. It's more than just annoyance. It's mm-hmm. We're starting to develop a sense of fear. We're starting to develop some resentment of the child who typically is the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, we've got all this unresolved stuff. Uh, we've got judgments, as Lynn suggested, from our past. So, you know, yeah. when, when Daniel would pick on Bethany, Lynn's first deal wasn't annoyance. It was it was maybe even a hint of leftover rage toward her older brothers that never got resolved when she was right. young. Right, so, the healing of that past. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many feelings that we have that, that compel us to, to engage out of that place uh, that mm-hmm. we ourselves haven't looked at, taken to the Lord, taken every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and and let God work on our own hearts so that we can be sincerely, truly calm when we come into this. I have a question, too, about the whole solving and understanding. What if... You know, some of your kids are just wired to have a higher EQ, emotional quotient, than others. So they can take that other person's perspective easier than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, That same kind of child may be more strong-willed and stubborn or whatever negative term you want to use, but more spirited (laughs) in their stance. describing our older two. Okay. uh, Okay. This was a scenario one time for Bethany. She was still really young, like maybe four or five. And she accidentally stepped on Noah's, her youngest brother's Lego creation. Daniel walked over and whacked her a good one. And she says through her tears, he was just trying to protect his little brother. You know, she totally got what was going on with him. He couldn't go there very easily. Um, So Mm. we had that we are, are, we had very different goals for our two kids. Um, And we talk about this in the course with some extra information on how to, you know, strengthen different kinds of kids. Um, Mm. She needed work in assertiveness and confidence Mm. in conflict. He needed work in empathy. We did found lots of different ways to grow empathy and insight into emotions to grow that EQ, uh, that emotional Mm. quotient outside the context of the argument. So then those skills would be more accessible within the conflict Mm -hmm. situation. And that was hugely important. Well, and we talked about the differences between our kids, with our kids, not in the heat of the moment, but at dinner uh, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. as we drove along the road. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, Bethany's really good at understanding feelings, and she feels things really deeply. And Daniel, you're really good at protecting underdogs, um, mm-hmm. and, and th- those are good things. There's also ways in which those things can make life a little harder for you right now. So, mm-hmm. Daniel, if, 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 if you're looking at Bethany, who feels things a lot, and that's her thing. 
Um, what's it like to be her? And Bethany, if you're looking at Daniel, who has, you know, loves to protect underdogs, and that's where that came, I mean, that's where that came from. That statement in the middle of that conflict didn't come because we taught our kids how to interact that way in the middle of a conflict. It came that way because we addressed the differences in who they were outside of the conflict and set them up to understand each other's strength and their own strength and their own struggle and the, and and each of their own sort of work areas, if you will. So yeah. we're going to be working with Bethany on standing up for herself, and we're going to be working with Daniel on what it's like to be somebody else. Yeah, and and t- they are, their superpowers are always their weakness, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and yep. we're shaping them constantly, but that even comes into a conflict situation. I, I have one more area I'd like to talk about for the mom who has maybe in their mix of family members a child with special needs, and so that conflict can look uh, either ex- like even bigger sometimes because maybe it's a child with ADD, maybe it's a child uh, who has autism, maybe it's a child who who is uh, in general difficult uh, to manage or, or have in the home and then it, it rubs against a sibling. And so any advice you would have for that mom who is in a constant state of that being a stressful place for her? Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like it's kind of a pat answer, but these ideas were developed out of kids with, I mean, all of our kids in at one point in their life or another got a diagnosis with ADHD. Um, our mm-hmm. oldest, we kind of wonder if he might not have ended himself up on the, on the Asperger's spectrum at some point if he had been raised in a less emotion-focused home. Um, mm-hmm. So... It, it, it's sort of like these things really do work with this type of child. It's just you have to be so much more diligent to really, you know, especially for a special needs child, their brain is going to, their, their frontal lobe is going to go offline in a hurry when they're upset. So to Right, really fight or flight's going to hit. Yeah, fight yeah, or yeah, flight yeah. is going to just steal yeah. your potential for a good resolution. So you really have to calm them down and then be very intentional. for. So that's the calm and then the understand. Be very intentional about building empathy. And we just did um, a post uh, a very extensive post on building empathy in kids. It's actually one of the the resources in the sibling course that we just threw out to the public. And um, you can find that on our website of concrete steps to build empathy, primarily outside the conflict time, and then how to bridge that to the, the conflict situation. So um, a real focus on skill building for these struggling kids. Um, is important. So you're not letting them off the hook. You're not, you know, solving mm-hmm. things for them, but it just takes an extra level of diligence. The process is going to be longer and slower mm-hmm. because they need to, to you know, the, they're not going to access those skills as quickly and easily. Um, also, visuals are helpful for those kind of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of the course, we have a, a printout that you can get of with mm, that's great. cartoon figures match these these calm understand solve and celebrate yeah yeah love that yeah yeah when the language is less that you can point to that and gesture to where you are in the process too yeah one of the things we learned just one thing to add to that and then i'll be quick um i actually (laughs) i actually learned this in the context of work with other people's kids and we would bring together high-risk kids of all ilks you know kids on the spectrum kids uh, uh, with diagnoses of all sorts, medicated kids um, in this youth outreach that I worked in. And um, one of the keys to helping them solve, be prepared to solve conflict, we couldn't do it in the heat of the moment, so we had to do it outside the heat of the moment, was to have each of them figure out 
what how I'm like you. So it's like, mm. uh, uh, he, he, I remember one time we had a kid who'd seen a murder and he lived in the city and he grew up in gangs and, you know, this was a suburban outreach and, and much less of that sort of thing going on in the, in the neighborhood that we were. And he's just like, nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. And I was like, well, what did it feel like? What was, what was your feeling? Well, it was scary and it was awful. And does anybody in the room ever feel scary before about something? What's something pretty extreme you felt scared about? Well, the time that my dad had an explosion and broke the table when my mom, so you understand scare. It's a different kind. It's a different setting, but the fear feels the same, right? So you two are alike in that you feel that same feeling just over very different things. And, mm. and those kids become allies. It's like, Ooh, I'm like him. And Ooh, mm. I'm like her. And mm. now all of a sudden they're for each other instead of against each other most of the time. But yeah. then when they fight, they remember, Oh, we're more like each other than we are not like each other. And so we've got some interest in going back to how it was before. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it made me think of West Side Story. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How they they think they're against each other, but if they really knew each other, they yeah. would see that their their core issues Heather, can are I the just, same. Can I just yeah. jump in with a couple of key structures? Because yeah. we haven't yeah. actually brought any of those up, and these are just really precious um, to us. One is just encouraging kids to speak the truth in love, and really helping them understand that in a four, Ephesians four fifteen, and then Matthew five twenty three and twenty four. If you kind of shorten it down, it's suppose your brother. Or sister has something against you, go and make peace with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. And in the message, it says, live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. And so these sibling conflicts can be such an arena for the gospel to come alive in the midst of our messes. And I just wanted to make sure we closed with that thought. I love it. And I love it. And, and I don't know if this is getting into something too much. Uh, you can tell me, but I, I had this thought when you're talking about families with kids with special needs, it taking longer. And I'm thinking some families may think, wow, what you described on that peace process, that sounds like a long time. And our fights are happening right when we're about to leave the house and go to the next thing. And I know summer, there's a little less be here, do that kind of feel, but there might still be the conflict happens and we're supposed to leave the house. It's mm -hmm. always happening when you're supposed to go to church. Do you have any, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any tips for that? You know, the conflict happens and we're about to have to leave and it doesn't feel like there's enough time or space to take care of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Um, okay. It was actually one of the case studies that we do in the course. Kyle's mom, Brenda came up with the idea um, of there was notebooks. Each child had a notebook in the car and a pen or a pencil attached to it. And then she said, you know what, guys, we can't solve this now. So we're going to get in the car and write down what you're upset about that. It was often when they, she drove them to school. And they say, when we get home from school, we're going to take our notebooks and we're going to remember to solve this well then. And that just mm. brought peace to people. They wrote, you know, the littler ones were drawing a picture of the conflict. The older one was writing it down and then they'd solve it when they got home. And the notebooks were a visual reminder of our commitment to true reconciliation and not smoothing things over. Mm, that's good. That's very, very practical. Thank you. Well, Jim and Lynn, you've done it again. And I will share the links with everyone in the show notes for this new sibling course, uh, describing your peace process, which is so helpful to all of us heading into summer. Thank you so much for being here. 
always fun well, to connect again. It's always a joy, again. and uh, we look forward to staying in touch, Heather. Fabulous. Thank you. Have a great day. Yep, All right, you, you too. too. Blessings. Okay. I hope you were inspired to reframe conflict and that you are looking forward to using the peace process to create a culture of reconciliation in your home. Now, if you're looking for more help, like if that just didn't seem like enough for you and you haven't had a history of learning good reconciliation strategies in your own home growing up, can I recommend something? I've done their courses before. Jim and Lynn do a great job of providing these online courses to help walk you through these processes and and to kind of mentor you in what they're training to be a connected family. So if you go to godcentermom.com forward slash siblings, that's plural because it takes more than one to have conflict, siblings, you will find a link to that course. It is now only $28, and I found it helpful to actually watch it with my kids. We probably need to watch it again to apply their peace process in our own home. And I've found the most helpful thing are the little phrases they use, the examples. Jim and Lynn are really good at acting out scenarios. And so to help you, if you go to godsendmom.com and search for the blog post that goes along with this podcast, uh, you can see I wrote out a lot of those phrases to help you when you're in that moment and you need a script and you need something to say so that your emotion doesn't take over. You can find those there. I also put a link so you can download your own copy of the peace process graphic to refer to when you talk about it with your family and introduce this whole idea to them. I mean, to have peace in your home or to be working towards peace on a regular basis sounds pretty good to me. All right. Make sure you go check that out and have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.